And I know that there are some hungry people here tonight. Isn't that right, David? Those who are the Davids in the house tonight. That's good, isn't it? Those who identify with Psalm 63, describing the thirsty soul satisfied in God alone. Just read a couple of verses for the hungry ones. I love it. O God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you or longs for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I've looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Go straight on to verse 8 there. It says, my soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. My soul follows close behind you. That's the New King, New King James Version. The ESV says, my soul clings to you. Does your soul cling to God tonight? Just thirst for him. As if you're in a parched and dry land, you thirst for God. I like the King James Version. It says, my soul follows hard after thee. It's just a, a refreshing thing in the midst of the busyness of life. It's not what I'm preaching on tonight at all, but I just feel in the midst of the busyness of life, even in the parchness of being on the, in, on the treadmill, like a, like a little mouse going on a treadmill, there's no end to it, is there? But to come to God, to come to the household of God and the household of faith and just re be refreshed with the streams of living water, which be, can be found only in Christ alone. Tonight I'd like to talk to you about the promised power available to your life to help you serve the Lord and help you to fulfill the calling of God on your life. Who wants to fulfill your God-given potential in your life? I know we all do. And to go to the grave with everything spent and no potential, unrealized potential in your life not fulfilled. Last Wednesday evening I spoke of the nine gifts of the Spirit being supported and girded by the nine fruits of the Spirit. And uh, you can download that message, and I, I trust that you do that, because it follow, this message here follows directly from that. And tonight's message dovetails in neatly with that message. And so in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, if you've got your Bibles with you, I'd love if you'd go to there. <coughs> so 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and it says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. So ignorance is not bliss. And uh, God wants us to be informed. And he's given us his word to be informed. And so it says there are three diverse, there are diversities of gifts by the same spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but the same God. And so you see the Trinity mentioned in verses 4, 5, and 6. And so then it mentions in verse 8, in the first Corinthians chapter 12, for each one is given the word of wisdom. There's the first uh, ministry gift. The second one there is through the Spirit to another, the word of knowledge. There's another gift of the Spirit. Through the same Spirit to another, faith. Thank you, Jules. By the same Spirit to another, gifts of healings. By the same Spirit to another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. These are gifts to the church and they are for us today, and to another discerning of spirits, and to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. And so we see there that there is nine gifts of the Spirit. 
We know that there is a five-fold ministry, apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers. But Ephesians 4, uh, uh, as described in, a, in Ephesians 4.11, but also in 1 Corinthians 12.28, just after this, it talks about apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts of healing, helps, administrations, and a variety of tongues. So all these are extension gifts, and they're not by no means all comprehensive, but it does lift, list nine gifts of the Spirit, and uh, so these nine gifts of the Spirit, when girded by the nine fruits of the Spirit, as you would know in Galatians 5, 23, they make up for a dynamic ministry authenticated not only by the power of God. Who likes to see the power of God? It's fantastic to see the power of God working in the ministry, but also backed by the fruit of the Spirit, which is the nature and the character of God. And when a ministry has the power of God, backed by the nature and the character of God, it's a ministry that we can receive from very easily. Isn't, it, isn't that right? When it's just a power, gift ministry, but it doesn't even have love or peace or patience or that... We get short-fused with that sort of ministry ourselves, don't we? And we tend to go and search for something different. And we know the fruits of the Spirit. And the greatest, even one of the greatest gifts is mentioned also as that of being love. And so the power of God, backed by the love of God, is easy to receive. So love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. So we've got nine gifts of the Spirit and nine fruits of the Spirit. But how effective these gifts now operate, we go on from there. Is that all we require to have a dynamic ministry that God would have for this church? We're a Pentecostal church, so we believe in the power of God. But we're a word-based church, so we believe firmly in the gifts and the fruit being dispensed at the same time. So how effective these gifts now operate and are dispensed to the world through the believer will now depend almost entirely on what we call the anointing upon the believer and ministry that they are released in. A lot of people think, well, what is the anointing? We don't often talk about it. Most churches rarely understand what the anointing is. But the anointing, for one of a better word, the anointing is the power of God upon the giftings of God and dispensed by the Holy Spirit and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to say it is indispensable if we want to change the world for Christ and usher in an end time revival and an awakening, we need the power of God to be upon the gifts of God. So all those 12 gifts and others that I was talking about here, they need the power of God to be infused into them for them to be effective. And you think, well, how do I get this power? How do I get this anointing? And where is this anointing received? And it's very simple. When you and I are baptized in the Holy Ghost, and which is a subsequent experience to the infilling of the Holy Spirit. When you and I receive Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit at the same time. And so, but there is more. Jesus said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Later on in the Gospels, he breathed on them later and says, receive the Holy Spirit. So all the apostles and all those 70 that were sent out, 
and all the other disciples, multitudes in that, in that time by number, had received the Holy Spirit. And, but there was a first, when he gave them the Great Commission, he didn't leave them as orphans, but there was a power to come upon the giftings of God that would see them dynamically turn the world upside down. And we cannot do that in our own strength, but his strength alone. So receiving the Holy Spirit and receiving the power of the, of the Spirit are two distinguishable occurrences. When I speak to people and they say, and they say, oh, you go to that Pentecostal church. Well, I'm a word-based person. I'd like to say that I'm a word-based person. This church is a word-based church. But we don't tear pages out of our Bible when speaking about the power of the Holy Ghost or signs and wonders and miracles. This is a word-based church, but it is also a spirit-filled church. And we grab hold of the Word of God and all the Word of God. Amen? And so, in Joel 2.28, and it was prophesied a time called the last days. And uh, Joel 2.28, let me go to Joel 2.28. It's an Old Testament prophecy. Now, this here is written 2,800 years ago. 2,800 years ago. So Joel was one of the early prophets. And he said, It shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Look around. That means all flesh. That means all of us. And it's your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. If you want to know how old a person is, ask them, do you have dreams or visions? <laughs> the Bible says your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. And it says also on my men servants and on my maid servants. Isn't that interesting? On my maid servants also. It says I will pour out my spirit in those days. What an exciting scripture. Let's go to Acts 2.17, and you'll see one of the most amazing things happen in this New Testament church. Acts 2.17, if you've got your Bible, fantastic if you bring your Bibles and a notebook with you. <clears throat> and it says, um, so we've got here, we've got Peter, and it was really pitiful Peter, wasn't it? Pitiful Peter before the resurrection, wasn't it? Peter was looking for excuses, hiding himself. He says, I wasn't one of Jesus' disciples. But here he is preaching up an absolute storm after the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the disciples in the upper room. It was an exciting thing to see. And so, and, uh, and he says, and it shall come to pass. This is Peter now preaching Joel 2.28. So the word at that time was over 800 years old. And he preached to more than thousands of people because we know that 3,000 people got saved from this one sermon. And so there's something different about Peter's preaching now. He'd never seen results like this. And he stood before the crowd and very boldly he says, And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. 
And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens and signs in the earth beneath. Oh, and then it goes on. The power here is dispensed in the presence of God. And so we go to Acts 1, 5 to 8, and we see, and being assembled together with them, this is Jesus speaking just before he ascended into heaven. And he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait from the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. And he said for, in verse 5, for John truly baptized with water. But he goes on to say, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So this baptism of the Holy Ghost is not just the indwelling presence of the, of the Holy Spirit. That is the presence of the Holy Spirit. But we're talking about the power of the Holy Ghost. And you'll see it is written here in, uh, in Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power. That word there is dunamis, from which we get the Greek word dynamite from. So this dynamite power, this is not just the presence of God, but this is the dynamite dunamis power of God. An explosive ability would come upon you and I, and uh, you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth, which is here with us today. This is absolutely amazing news. So the upper room, this is where he said, you shall be, he said, go into Jerusalem and wait until you and tarry until you are clothed with power from on high. Very few of us know what it is to tarry in the presence of God these days. In, our, in the business of our life, do we need more of the power of God demonstrated in our Christian walk? Oh, yes, we do. And this end-time church needs the power, and it was, it's going to have the power. And so... Uh, so there was 120 believers, and for 10 days they were, were rewarded with the power which endured and clothed the believing, causing, you could say Peter was a turncoat before a single woman, but now Peter the proclaimer before the entire city in an uproar. See, the power of God could turn a zero into a hero. That's what the power of God will do. This power, is this anointing is the indispensable to breaking the forces of darkness and bringing into the light of God, having a tangible effect in our community. When we begin to demonstrate signs and wonders and miracles and the power of God in our earthly situations, you'll begin to see it is a dinner bell for salvation. Who would like to see people lining up on a Wednesday night to get in here because Jeff's late and they're just queuing up till they're outside the door, right out to the road. There's not enough parking. That's, we're going to see this. I prophesy we will see this in our own day. Jules and I haven't come here to do church as usual. We're going to tarry and wait. And I pray that we begin to draw the hungry ones who are hungry, not just for church as usual, not just little gatherings. And we can just study the Bible and have a nice little prayer meeting. There's more to being a Christian than just being nice. And the power of God demonstrated in all believers. Now, the Bible's very, very clear here. And it says, it, it, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Some people say, oh, Jeff, do you think you can have women in church prophesying? Do you think you can have women doing this and doing that in the church? But the Bible's very, very clear. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. 
and there will be signs and wonders demonstrated on men and women, young men and old men, maidens and everybody. It's, it, it does not distinguish everybody. So there's an expectation, not just for the frozen chosen, but these gifts and the power of God are for the church, for us, so that you can reach your neighbor, so that you can reach into your workplace, so that you can turn the main street upside down here in Charles Towers. That's what the power of God is there for, having a tangible effect. If you want a breakthrough in any given field in God, the anointing is indispensable. And it says here in Acts 1.8, and he says, the Holy Spirit shall come upon you. And you notice there when, when it's talking about the anointing or the power of God throughout all scripture, you will see that the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you read in the Old Testament in Judges, it, the power of God only came upon certain people. And it says, and the Spirit of God came upon Jephthah. And the Spirit of God came upon all those different judges. And you'll see the word, and the Spirit of God came upon. In every one of those instances, it is the power of God that comes upon a person for a reason, for a season, and to uh, help with the work of God. And so salvation is a free gift. We know that salvation is free. We cannot earn our salvation. But the anointing is not. You see, where do I get this anointing? Where do I get this power? Well, the upper room is still there for all of us. We also have a, a cupboard, a prayer closet, or a prayer room where you can go into. I have found an increase in the anointing of God directly relates to the time that I spent in the presence of God. And so the salvation, free gift, you don't earn it. But the anointing or the power of God is something when you begin to spend time with God, you'll see an increase in the results when you begin to witness, when you begin to talk, when you begin to preach, when you begin to teach, whatever you do, you will see a significant increase in results and in the demonstration of the Spirit's power according to the time that you spend with Jesus. <clears throat> the Bible says the gifting and calling of God is irrevocable, meaning it, it's not brought back. God does not take it back. However, the anointing is not. I make that, I make that, the gifting and calling of God is irrevocable, meaning it's never stripped away from you. But the anointing is not. Ministries can often carry on despite gross indiscretions and outright sin. Although the gift remains, the anointing will inevitably fade. You'll see a ministry that's come a cropper. People who have they've had a hard fall and it can happen to anybody. I'm not a believer in shooting the wounded in God's army. I'm a big believer in restoring people. Doesn't matter what happens in people's lives, I'm a big believer. That's what the gospel says. It is still a message of grace. And once you come to God, grace does not finish. If we mess up as a believer, God is the God of the second chance, the third chance, the fourth chance, and the fifth chance. Seventy times seven we are called to forgive people and to reinstate people. So this church is not a church that will shoot the wounded, but we will work with people to see them victorious in their life. So the, the, gifting, the gifting and calling of God, irrevocable, but the anointing is not. And so you'll see a powerful minister 
and they fall into sin and you will see the power of God begin to dwindle off that ministry and they will no longer see the results that they used to have. Samson is a good indication. He did not release, realize that the power of God had lifted from his life, did he? He was an anointed, and the Spirit of God came upon Samson. There's another one. The Spirit of God came upon Samson, and he grabbed the jawbone out of an ass, and he killed a, thal- a thousand Philistines. Amen? And so, uh, but he didn't realize because of his sinful life that the power of God had lifted from his life till it was too late. And that can happen to you and I. If you want to meddle with sin in your Christian walk, you will no longer have the fruits of those things working in your life. The, second st- the, uh, the other point I'd like to make is there are many stages or stepping stones of walking in the anointing. And even in King David's life, I can see that it is progressive. It is said that in Catherine Kuhlman's ministry, for those who don't know Catherine Kuhlman, just Google it or come and talk to me later and we'll get a book into your hands. And, uh, but the gifting, the anointing, which, we, which she was ultimately known for, most of those amazing things happened in her ministry in the last 10 years of her life. And so it incrementally increased. And even in King David's life, let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 16. And we can see that there are actually three definitive times in David's life because he received three anointings. Isn't that interesting? And so 1 Samuel chapter 16, and in verse 1, he says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul? Seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel, he said, fill your horn with oil. When they anointed somebody, they filled an entire horn with oil. They just didn't get one of these little things here and put a little dab of oil on his forehead or something like that. That's what we do in this church, mainly because we don't feel like getting the carpet cleaners in every single weekend. But they get an entire Uh, horn of oil and pour it over his head. He was drenched from top to bottom with olive oil. Beautiful. And so so there it was. Fill your horn with oil. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I provided myself a king amongst his sons. And so here we see in verse 7, and he said, Do not look at his appearance or the physical stature, because I have refused him, for the Lord does not see as man sees For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Isn't that fantastic? So it's basically saying that anybody can be anointed. And uh, in fact, the things that the world lifts up, God often and most often does reject. In fact, here it says he grabbed hold of the youngest son and he was left out with the sheep and wasn't even brought before Samuel the prophet to be even uh, considered. In verse 12, it says, so he sent and brought, this is David. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him for this is the one. Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the midst of his brothers. Now there's a potential problem. (laughs) There's the youngest brother already being anointed in front of all the older brothers who were passed over for a young boy brought in from the paddock. And David from that day forward, uh, so Samuel arose and went to Ramah. So there is, you can see, and really the title of my message today is Progressive Resistance Builds the Anointing. 
And you think, why am I encountering so much resistance when I do the work of God? And I can testify it, Jules can testify it, and most here people, when you get fair income with God, you see an increase in things, spiritual opposition to what you were doing. Why is that? God is doing a work in your life and he uses the devil's work as a, he uses the devil's head, in fact, as a stepping stone to your success. Amen. Who's keen on using the devil's head as a stepping stone? Oh, it's a good feeling. And that fulfills the prophecy of Genesis 3.15, doesn't it? And he says, and he shall bruise, you shall bruise his head and he shall bruise your heel. You walk differently when you're anointed because you've got the devil's head in your shoe. Amen? That's good news. A, a believer full on with God, they say, there's a bloke with a limp. Why? Because he's got the devil's head in his shoe. Amen? That's a good thing. You don't have bunions. It's okay. It's okay. It's just the devil's head. And so we're going to move right now. And see, we can see in verse 18 that, uh, that one of the servants answered and said, Look, I have seen the son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a handsome person. And the Lord is with him. So the anointing is visible. And so we see after the, he was anointed in Bethlehem, before his brothers, and there he was brought to play the harp for Saul because the anointing sent demons fleeing. Isn't that interesting? Saul had demons around him, and he said, call for a skilled musician. And when David began to play, because he was anointed here, he played with an anointing that dispelled darkness. An anointed person walks into a room and darkness must flee. It's a good thing. In 1728, we can see, uh, in, let's go to, you can write that scripture down. You can have a look at it for yourself. Now, Eliab's brother, oldest brother heard when he spoke to the man and Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, why did you come down here? This is before he was facing Goliath. And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? See, the anointing attracts opposition, and it attracts opposition sometimes from the closest of quarters, from your very household even, from your very own congregation of people, from your best friends. The devil does not care who he uses to try and crush the anointing. He's afraid. He doesn't like. He's scared. The devil is scared of people who operated in the power of God. When you begin to fast, when you begin to pray, when you begin to delve into the word of God, diligently, you're up at four in the morning or five in the morning, you're the first in the household, and you're the priest of your home, and you begin to dig in deep to get the gems of God, to get, a, to get some spiritual momentum back into your life you will find that there will be opposition. And so David played the harp and the evil spirit lifted of King Saul. And there it says in Isaiah 10, 27, the anointing destroys the yoke. And he was speaking there about the yoke of the Assyrian Empire. And the Assyrian Empire was just about to come down. Amen? And we know that it did. Let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 4. And we see... Then the men of Judah came, and they anointed David king over the house of Judah. So this is a second anointing. So there's more than one anointing for you. 
And there's an increase in the authority and uh, influence that David had. First, he had influence over his own home and, uh, and area. He was brought into Saul's uh, uh, service. And here he is now. He, he was brought into Judah and they anointed David king over the house of Judah. And so that was the second anoint, anointing. And, uh, and so he reigned there for seven years and six months. In 2 Samuel chapter 5 and verse 3, I hope you're writing some of these down, you'll see here that there is a third anointing. And we know, therefore all the, all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron. And King David made a covenant with them in Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. So he grew in the anointing. He was just a shepherd boy. He knew how to kill the lion and the bear, and he began to take his place and step into it. He walked in and began to lead over the southern tribe of Judah, and then he walked in the priestly anointing, anointing and uh, at Hebron. Now, Hebron is a strategic place in God. Because you'll see that Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Leah are all buried at Hebron. So it is, the, it is the home of the patriarchs. And we know that Jesus Christ came from the lineage of King David, the house of bread, Bethlehem, which is what mean, it means, Bethlehem. And so the anointing is developed. King David did not step straight into that kingly anointing. That took years and years and years. And so it develops in your life. So expect the anointing to increase. What you see operating in your life, expect more. Expect more. Develop a spiritual ravenous appetite for the things of God and the presence of God. The, the, uh, the uh, anointing or the level of the anointing, the level of power operating in your life does just, just, just about directly uh, coincide with the amount of time that you do spend with God. And the anointing is always resisted as a child of the bondwoman always persecutes the child of the free woman. And you can see that throughout scripture from Genesis right through to Revelation. And so the clash of the flesh and the spirit, Galatians 4.29, but he who was born according to the flesh then persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, even so it is now. And even more so now as you see the day of approaching. Anointed people of God will come under incredible persecution and hatred. The church right now is stepping into a period of time, particularly in the Western church, where it will begin to experience not just a, a, a dislike, but an intense hatred for the church and an intense hatred for the people of the church, that is you and I. Cain, who brought an offering, and Abel, who in the course of time brought an offering, offering, what happened to Cain? He killed his brother Abel. What about Isaac and Ishmael? Same thing. The child of the bondwoman will also always persecute the child of the spirit or the free woman. Esau and Jacob, Joseph and his brothers. Now there was another one. Joseph was anointed of God, wasn't he? Incredible, wasn't it? And who was his greatest enemies? It wasn't the Amalekites, it wasn't but the Girgashites or the otherites. It, uh, it was his own brothers. The anointing does not reduce opposition, but on the contrary, the two have an outworking or there is a parallel existence. So I, I want to encourage the church. I've always been a, a person who wants to encourage the church to expect opposition 
and to be resilient. The church at this hour needs to be resilient and strong in its calling. And, and uh, this generation is not known for its resilience. We can buckle very easily, run to the depression pill cabinet real quick. I don't, I'm not knocking anybody who's on any of those things, by no means at all. But we need to be resilient and develop a strong steel backbone that we can, having done all, to stand. And he who overcomes, it says in the seven letters in Revelations, as I also overcame, said Jesus. And so what is the purpose in resistance? Opposition that which should be straightforward is made difficult. And we see through the ages, church history, it's been no different. John Wesley was a great preacher. And yet the, he was the man who founded the Methodist movement. And in, France was going into anarchy at the time and they had a revolution and cut off the heads of their leaders. It could have quite easily happened at the same time, but instead of having a revolution, they had a revival. Who'd prefer a revival? <laughs> I'm pretty keen for a revival. One of those revolutions I'm not keen on. I sort of like my own head where it is. But John Wesley was a great preacher, and yet the pulpits, they needed desperate. It was a dark hour for England. Very, very dark. And, uh, but the pulpits of the nation would not receive him, <coughs> and every church closed its ministry door to the greatest preacher that England had seen. It's amazing, isn't it? The, the nation was crying out for preachers. George Whitfield of the same holy club, often described as one of the greatest preachers, he could preach to 30, 40, 50,000 people at a time without a microphone. George Whitfield, the, the pulpits of England were closed to him. What did they do? Did they fold up? They closed down? They pack up their bags and go home? Not in your life. That's not what they did. They went outdoors and preached to, to thousands in the field and all the mining villages where there was no churches they began to preach outdoors in the meadowlands. And they preached outdoors and 10,000 would come. And then 20,000 would come. And 30,000 would come. No church could contain what God wanted to do. 50,000 people, up to 80,000 people would come to the outdoor preaching in the meadow. Using at the back of a horse and cart to preach from. It's incredible, isn't it? You cannot kill the anointing. When you unleash the power of God, opposition will propel you to a place where God can use you effectively. Amen? It is a good thing. Opposition, I want to encourage you that opposition, God uses the devil's work to propel his own. And it must, well, it doesn't scare the hell out of him, does it at all? But anyway, so William Carey, one of the world's greatest linguists, and he was the father of the missionary movement to the world, he found it dif difficult even to get out of England to be a missionary to India. You see, opposition. He was an anointed vessel and a, a sword in the Lord's hand. And the character of your life needs to support the gifting, which is what I was talking about, the fruits of the Spirit and the calling the destiny on your life. Character in a word needs to support the gift. Otherwise, the gifting will crush you. The anointing on your life without the giftings working on your life will crush you. And there is not a better example of that than the gifted work of Hollywood and the, 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 uh, uh, the gifting on those people in Hollywood often crushes them 
because they do not have the character to support the gifting. And so the giftings are vital. So how would you fare in such an environment? And uh, so one of the reasons I have seen in Christian circles why some prayers are not answered is because our character is not developed far enough. And if we called and if God gave us those anointings, he would give us those supernatural giftings, they would uh, inevitably crush our life. So in the right time, when your character is built, when the fruits of the Spirit are operating in your life, you'll see when you call upon the power of God, it will be there for you. And so Jesus' own anointing increased. And you can see that in in his miracles throughout all the gospel accounts. The first sign we saw, he changed water into wine. And then he healed the royal official's son in Capernaum. He healed the paralytic. He then fed the 5,000, walked on water, healing the blind man from birth, and then raising Lazarus from the dead. And you can see there's an an ascension sort of gifting as the anointing increased in Jesus' own life. And he himself, he came out of the desert experience after 40 days of prayer and fasting and being tempted by the devil. He came out, it says, in the power of the Spirit. You see that? But he, didn't, he came out, he was baptized in the Jordan. The Spirit of God came upon him. See that? He was, he was conceived by the Spirit. So he already had the Spirit of God already working in him. But the power of God came upon him in the Jordan. And then he went, and the Spirit, it said, drove him into the wilderness, tempted by the devil, fasted, prayed 40 hours, 40 days, 40 nights, and came out in the power of the anointing. It came out in the power of God. So prayer and fasting, spending time with the Lord will increase the power of God in your life. There is a cost to operating in the anointing and the anointing is there if you have a desire and a hunger for it. Is there anybody here who has a hunger and a desire to operate in the anointing or the power of God? Oh, I'd pray. Every hand up. Every hand up. This is a vibrant church and we're going to see amazing things. So you and I have a choice when the pressure comes. We can go lower. We can go lower. We can just go under. Discouragement, disappointment. You can allow it to grip your life. You can decide. You make a choice. Or you can be resilient. You can, you can exist on yesterday's bread, yesterday's revelations, and continuously talking about viewing your life through the rear vision mirror and just say, oh, yes, I remember when we did this and when we did that. But what about today? You can stay the same. And uh, I reflect on who's heard of BlackBerry phones. They stayed the same. They were the innovators in the early days of good mobile phones. If you had a BlackBerry, you were on the cutting edge of technology. What happened? They never continued to be on the cutting edge of technology. And, uh, and so we hardly even know what their name is anymore. They never moved with it. They never kept it. So we can, go, we can go lower, we can stay the same, or you can go higher. And those who choose to find themselves in the presence of God in the face of opposition, position yourselves for increase in the power and the anointing of God and uh, to overcome today's resistance and the power of God will come upon you, come upon you, come upon you. Are you ready for it? Are you ready for it? Spiritual laws... Presence comes before power. And we all love to see the power of God. We love to see powerful, dynamic ministries. Who's ever seen or heard of the God's General series brought out by Robert Leardon 
and there's 12, it's a fantastic series of some of God's greatest generals in the last 100 years. Alexander Dowie and Catherine Kuhlman, Amy Samuel McPherson, and the list goes on. William Branham. And, uh, but the presence comes before power. If you will plummet yourself in the presence of God, just dive into the presence of God and not be in a rush to get out of it, you will see amazing things. Amazing things. So what is the anointing? The anointing is the power of God imparted to the believer so as to become effective in the use of the gifts of God in a believer's life. And when we use the gifts or the gifts use us, the Spirit of God uses us. When, when the power of God comes upon us, we become an extremely dangerous tool in the, in the enemy's face. And so there's a cost associated with it. In the Old Testament, you can see that they took a Nazarite vow. Who recalls? John the Baptist was a Nazarite, and uh, some of the others were too. Uh, and they didn't partake in fermented beverages. They didn't cut their hair. And uh, God revealed to me many years ago that all, although everything was permissible, and it says that in Scripture, doesn't it? All things are permissible. All things are permissible. But I've seen too that it says, but not all things are beneficial. All things are permissible because we live in a gospel of grace, but not all things are beneficial. And so I haven't drunk wine or beer for almost 30 years. Why? All things are permissible. I can have a beer, but not all things are beneficial. I do not condemn those that do. I don't, not in the slightest. But I do sense that God said to me long ago, he said, Jeff, that's not for you. You want to operate? You want to minister? You want to be uh, uh, an ambassador for Christ? That is not for you. My viewing of movies and so forth and is very restrictive as well as musical tastes. I've hardly, when I, uh, when I got saved, born again, I, I had a pair of fibro cutters at the back underneath my house. I took my beautiful CD collection. I didn't want to give it to anybody else. Because I had a whole heap of stuff which I didn't think could help anybody's spiritual walk. And so I cut all my CD collection with my fibro cutters. And I vowed. And I said, Lord, I will only listen stuff from you. And so for 30 years, I've not listened to anything else. You won't find secular stuff. Is all things permissible? Yes. But are all things beneficial? No. And so if you want to build a dynamic spiritual life, there is a separation. Holiness means a separation. And you and I are called to be a holy people, which is a separate people. And you will see half the stuff on TV, sorry, 99.99% of stuff on TV, is none of it's beneficial. Is it permissible? Maybe. But is it beneficial to your spiritual walk or walking in the power and the anointing of heaven? No. It will be detrimental to walking in the anointing. And so God revealed to that to me many years ago. So when given choices, I sense God is saying that is not for you. I want you to operate in my anointing. And its main function, the anointing is like the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They are not for you. As the anointing is not for you, the anointing on your life is for the body. The gifts are for the body and the anointing on your life is to enable us to effectively minister those gifts to the people. 
So the anointing is not even for you. So your desire is to be able to be a blessing to the body. That is our desire and that is our motive. The anointing is for service. It is not for you, but rather it is for the body. And it is for a reason and is for a season. Often when people step into an office, Caiaphas prophetically spoke over Jesus and he says it would be better for one man to die for the nation than the whole nation perish. And he was prophesying. It was a gift. It was an anointing that came upon a very, very godless man. But he had the office of the high priest. And so sometimes an anointing comes upon an office. And so somebody steps into the pulpit and an anointing will come upon the office of the minister. That can happen as well. So it's a, for a reason, it's for a season, it's for a purpose. And uh, I'll finish on this, and it shall come, Isaiah 10, 27, it shall come to pass. If Jules would come to the keys right now, that would be wonderful. Isaiah 10, 27, and behind this screen, on that timber plaque up there, you'll see that is Isaiah 10, 27. And it says, and it shall come to pass in that day that he's burden shall be taken away from your shoulder and that was the burden of the Assyrian people in other words the work of Satan himself and his yoke from your neck and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil isn't that a glorious thing and so that's where we get the saying the anointing destroys the yoke if I minister with the anointing People sitting there having no knowledge of God because the power of God will be upon my humble words. The Spirit of God will come upon the Word of God and touch those people in a way that I could never do it. But it is the Spirit of God upon the Word of God will convict the heart and and people will repent and come to Christ. Isn't that wonderful? It is the anointing when we lay hands on the sick and they recover. Do we heal anybody? Not in your life. But it is the anointing. We are merely the vessel for the anointing of God, the healing power of God to flow through. Let's stand to our feet right now. And there is a gift. There is a gift. There's gifts of the Holy Ghost, the gifts of God. And they're for the church. And they're for you and they're for I. And we have in this church, in this New Testament church, We are the priesthood of believers. In other words, the gifts and calling of God are for every single person in every single chair in this place. If people have given their lives to Jesus Christ, He wants us to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. That is the power of God coming into your life to empower the gifts that God has given you. And so those gifts, they need to be unwrapped. Bible says to desire spiritual gifts and when you desire them I want everything that God has for me are you hungry are you spiritually hungry God has spiritual gifts for you to operate in and God wants you to increase in the power and the anointing that is over your life father in the name of Jesus uh, bring this humble word before your throne of grace into this people today And even those, Lord God, listening online, there's so many now, so many. I pray that you would reveal to the heart of each and every single believer, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus, those spiritual gifts that you have given to people. 
And Father, I pray that they would pay the price. They would pay the price, Lord, to see the power of God come upon their life, Lord, in a new dynamic way. That we will be able to turn our communities upside down and see men and women and boys and girls come to faith in Jesus Christ. Father, we believe, Lord God, for this region in the West, for a mighty harvest, Lord God, today. Anoint and appoint your church, Father, and release, Lord God, your church into battle. Let us not be weary in doing good, Lord God, but stand. Take up, Lord God, the weapons of our warfare, Father God, and begin to bring in the harvest, Father. In Jesus' name, do a mighty work, Lord God, in these people's lives tonight, right at this point in time. Now let the power of heaven come upon you right now. It'll be a witness. The Lord is speaking to people here tonight. And what I'm saying will be a witness to what you already know. I pray, empower your servants today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.